All right. Well, I am uh, preaching through the book of Ephesians, and uh, today I've titled the ser- the sermon "Be Blessed uh, by the Church." Yeah, be blessed by the church. Now, uh, uh, probably not for you, but for many, uh, that would be a controversial title. Uh, but uh, be blessed by the church. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that in our area, in New England, uh, church is not exactly top of the pops. Uh, people aren't exactly excited about church. Uh, you know, uh, people are actually angry about church. Uh, many people are, are angry about church. Um, one of the delights that I get is I'm part of the Hopkinton uh, Running Club. And uh, it's a delight for me because uh, I get uh, free opinions from people on all sorts of things, uh, whether I solicit them or not. Uh, you know, and uh, it's often like an indication of what people are thinking about. And uh, uh, you know, three memorable uh, uh, quotes that I've had from people over the, the past is, uh, one guy asked me in all seriousness, he wasn't, uh, um, he didn't think this was a particularly uh, controversial thing, he said, why on earth would God want to be praised? I mean, who does he think he is? And I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, it was like, took me so like blindsided, I'm like, I don't even know how to answer that, you know? And, uh, uh, and uh, so then another a friend of mine, she said, well, whenever we have uh, political things and we've got issues on the ballot, it's pretty easy for me to decide how to vote. I just do exactly what the opposite of the church is suggesting. So whatever the ch- church suggests, obviously that's wrong, so just do the exact opposite. And I'm like, okay, uh, you know. Uh, the funny thing is sometimes they'll say these things to me, even like this particular person. She knows I'm a pastor here in town, but that doesn't seem to bother her uh, at all. Uh, and then uh, two weeks ago, a good friend of mine uh, whose who's, who's wife has been more sort of interested in church than he has, admittedly. Uh, but uh, they've been attending another church, and I just asked him, I said, uh, how's it going? Are you still going to church? And he said, you know, uh, no, we've had a couple of struggles in the family uh, recently, and uh, um, it, it's created a lot more uh, time pressure for them. So they had to reevaluate their life and, and figure out what was important so they had to get rid of church because, I mean, there was no life in that. So uh, we scrapped that and, and I said, so how's that going for you? He said, well, my, my son asked me, like, do we go to church or don't we go to church? And he said, I don't know what to tell him. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, that would be a classic uh, New England. That's the climate change. None of you are surprised. It's like, yeah, I speak to my friends. Uh, uh, this is what they tell me all the time. Uh, but on another standpoint, for many, uh, they would say things like church is just so out of touch or it's so old fashioned or uh, it's completely on the wrong side of all the important issues of the day, such as uh, church is on the wrong side of the LGBTQ issue. And if you don't know what that means, uh, you're really out of touch. Uh, or they'd say we're on the wrong side of Black Lives Matter issue. Uh, or we're on the wrong side of women's rights, or the wrong side of the marijuana uh, uh, situation in Massachusetts, or you know, abortion, euthanasia, uh, climate control, science. I mean, you just like name it. You know, people are just like the church is just clueless on on all the important issues. 
of course, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like the church has a, uh, a lot to say on all these issues. And uh, it's relevant. But there's another trend, uh, which I think is actually a good trend, uh, good for church anyway. And that is that uh, people are looking for experience above goods. So uh, there was a, there is a, um, a psychological study done by a Cornell uh, psychiatrist, and his name is Tom Gilovich. And uh, Tom's uh, study has been this. He said, if you want happiness, he's not a Christian, but he's, he's done a study on what gives people happiness. And he says, if you want happiness, uh, spend your money on experience, not on buying things. So he's saying you, you get more happiness by having experience, not on things. And if you think of uh, what Tom Gilovich from Cornell is saying, it's actually is bearing out in society. I mean, malls are typically under stress nowadays. They, you know, were the big thing in the 80s, and now malls are battling to uh, be financially viable, uh, and stores are changing in the way they do business. I mean, I went to Cabela's uh, not that long ago to get a pair of binoculars. And man, it, it, it's like a hunting experience. I'm not a hunter, but I mean, like they've got bears there and, and leopards and I mean, you know, like fish jumping up. And it, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a cool experience. And uh, apparently that's kind of lame compared to if you go to the Pro Bass store, which I haven't yet been to. But I mean, it, it's almost like you don't have to go fishing or hunting or whatever. It's like, it's just a full-on experience, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, when you Google their site, they, they tell you, we're not only trying to sell you like hunting, fishing stuff. Uh, this is like part museum, uh, part antique store. Uh, you know, like there's a whole experiential thing which they... Uh, which they're doing. And for many of you, you're like, you know, Ikea. And so if you go to Ikea, it's like, okay, this is like a whole day deal. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know what you're looking for, but man, it takes forever to go through there. And then you've got to stop for lunch and, and have, you know, I mean, it's just like a whole experience. So just the way they lay it out and like, they've got all these little neat, little well-designed, little small space things. And it's like, it just looks so cool. I, you know, you're not looking for a bed anymore. You're just like, I want everything. It just like looks good. <laughs> And, you know, then you take it up a notch, you go to Jordan's Furniture, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, uh, I don't even know where the furniture part is. I mean, it's an eating, movie house, like, it's like, let's go out for entertainment, let's go to Jordan's, you know. So these type of stores, you know, people are looking for an experience. People are looking for more than just things. And it's also true if you look at how people are spending money. People love to do uh, trips to Disney. Uh, love to do short-term uh, weekends or, you know, three or four-day uh, mini excursions. Why? Because people want the experience and people are looking for a positive experience. Uh, industries that are doing well are the entertainment industries. Video games, uh, eating out, uh, anything that's like is a pick-me-up. And uh, in a similar way, uh, if we can sort of think about two sermons, two different Sundays together, which I know is difficult because not everybody's in every sermon. But last week I was talking about the things of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today I want to talk about the church. But are these two thoughts, uh, I believe, are totally integrated and related. Meaning this, uh, I think if you come to church 
and your experience of church is simply me or a preacher standing up and giving you a lot of information, uh, it's very boring and people are like checking out. But on the other hand, uh, if you come to church and you encounter God, you experience the Holy Spirit, God speaks to you, God lifts you up, God feels like He's personal in your life, like He's dealing with issues that you're facing. And somehow other, in a mysterious way, which I'll acknowledge, uh, you feel like you're connected to God. You're receiving His love. You're feeling like He's giving you hope. Man, then church becomes an awesome experience. And that's my prayer for, for church. Now, the challenge that I have, you know, obviously as a church leader, is uh, I can't manufacture that. I can't, you know, hit the Holy Spirit button and let's do miracles. Like, it doesn't work that way. But what I can do is I can invite the presence of God. We can make space for the things of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can invite the presence of God to be here with us. And uh, on the other hand, you too can have an attitude of saying, God, I'm not just wanting... I don't want to just go to church to go through the motions. You can say, God, I'm going to church. Speak to me today. Speak to me in my life situation. You know, I'm, I'm feeling insecure at work or I've been laid off or uh, I've got a big decision to make. Lord, somehow or other, help me in church to speak to me. And uh, if God does, uh, and there is a sense that God is leading and directing, it's incredibly rewarding. And so uh, let me just open uh, with that exact prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just invite your presence here today. I just say, come Holy Spirit, uh, that your presence would be here. Jesus, that uh, we can understand who you are more clearly. And particularly today, uh, Jesus, as I'm talking about the church, help us to get a, a, glim a glimpse of how you see the church and why you value church the way you do. And help us, Lord Jesus, to be in alignment with uh, the way you want us to participate and see a church and why church should be such a positive experience for each one of us. So, Lord Jesus, I just lift this uh, service up to, uh, to you and I just ask that you'd speak to each person individually with where they're at today. Come, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, in short, uh, what I would like you to get out of uh, the sermon today is that you would love church as much as I do. I mean, okay, I'm paid to do this and this is my job. I understand. But, you know, I've always like, just loved church since uh, I became a believer in my late 20s. Something captured me where I realized church is like something other. It's just like... It can be the most awesome experience, and it can be the most terrible experience. I mean, it just really can be. But I've, I've always been captured by church, and I've always been impressed with when I've traveled and traveled around the world to see a thread of what the Holy Spirit or what God is doing and how people of different cultures, ethnicity, education, can have a unity and a love for God and what God is doing which you just you can't manufacture. It's not like, okay, you know, it's almost like all reading the same book. Oh, wait a bit. They are. The Bible. But God is speaking through that book, the Bible, in a way which, uh, you know, is relevant. It's really, a, it's really a, a, an amazing thing. So I, I want to read 
three scripture verses to you. We're going through uh, the book of Ephesians, so two of them are from, uh, from Ephesians. In fact, I'll just read them from my notes. Uh, the first one is Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says this, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Now, obviously, I want you to just think of that. For the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere everywhere with himself. I mean, this is like a high view of church. I mean, this is like an incredible, you know, highly valued uh, view of, of, of church. But look at Ephesians uh, 5.25. It says this, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And then this whole idea of God, Jesus, dying for the church, we pick it up again in Acts. And uh, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesians, the book that we, we're studying. So he's got the, the leaders, they come down to meet him as he's you know, on a ship uh, journey back to Israel. And he says, hey leaders, come down here, I want to talk to you about something. And uh, they meet him, and Paul says this, he says to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, he says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. You know, we get a, a sense here that Jesus thinks church is really important. Uh, Jesus sees the church as being some totally other institution. Uh, and uh, we get, even from Apostle Paul's words here, that church is always going to be messy. I mean, Paul is saying, listen, I'm going to leave. People are going to come in. We're going to have false teachers. You know, we're going to kick them out. We're going to sort out things. I mean, there's going to be like all sorts of things which happen in church. Uh, that is absolutely true. But you know what? Church has stood the test of time. There aren't too many institutions that have been around for like 2,000 years with really bad leaders and with really good leaders and with really remarkable things that the church has done. And the church has stumbled over and over again as well. But somehow or other, in the midst of all this, God is involved in the church. And he sorts it out. He makes this messy stuff work out. Uh, it, it's, it, it's really, uh, you know, it's really remarkable. I mean, we think of corporations like Ford, for instance, you know, like 100 years old. We'd say that's like a, you know, institution which has been around for forever. No, it's like brand new. It's like just starting out. I mean, you know, they're just feeling out their way compared to the church. Uh, most companies don't even last 100 years. I mean, anything but especially the technology industries. I mean, we think it's cutting edge. You know, five years later, it's like dinosaur. Uh, it just, it's incredible how things are advancing, and yet the church 
has been consistent in thick and in thin and in good times and in bad times and in persecuted times and in times of blessing. The church just keeps going. I mean, just that fact alone should encourage us and say, I think God's into church. Well, he really is. He died for the church. We know that he died for us individually, but we don't spend a lot of time thinking, okay, he died for the church. And of course, when I'm saying the church, I mean the church, you know, the right word is Catholic, but I'm hesitating because Catholic means like universal. I mean universal church, not just like our church, although I love our church. And it's not like our church is the church. Absolutely not. I mean, there's so many expressions of church of which like we just want tiny little slither. And, you know, we, while we love our little slither, I'll be the quickest the first to say, we're not it. I mean, there are bigger churches, better churches, churches doing more, churches that have other focus. I mean, there are incredible churches around. But for some reason or other, God figures out that each one of us have our own niche. And uh, he's got his own um, plan for each one of our churches. But it's not just the church. The church is you. And so therefore, he has a plan for the church, which means he has a plan for you and your participation you're part of the church and uh, that's where it gets good you know I, I think at some point as a leader of the church you have to kind of uh, acknowledge that people get hurt badly by the church and when people get hurt it hurts deep I mean I, I just like to have to acknowledge that and it's not like we intentionally, as leaders, try and hurt people. That's like the exact opposite. We're trying to love people. But our tools of the trade are to try and influence people to be more like Jesus. And so where it gets prickly is where, you know, we try and correct and rebuke people when it's like, okay, guys, you know, this, you're sort of going in the wrong direction. Let me try and help you to become more Christ-like. And, you know, people say, well, who, do, who are you and what do you know? I know more about it. I'm going to do this thing and let me tell you how to do it. And it's like, yeah, okay, but I'm trying to influence you to be more like Jesus. Uh, and that's all I can do. I'm not trying to control you. Uh, I'm not trying to tell you what you have to do. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to encourage you and say, this should work for you. If you believe in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you want a rich and rewarding life, do what Jesus is, in, is asking you to do. But if you think you know better and you do your own thing, then join the rest of the world because that's what they're doing. Uh, God is calling the church uh, and calling you and I to be a weird and unique people, like people that he has called to be separated. So the challenge that we face is this. We want to be blessed. We want to experience the Holy Spirit. We want to see miracles. We want to see God's involvement in our lives. But on the other hand, we also like living in the world. And we want to be part of what everybody else is doing. And it's like we've got a foot in each camp. And God is saying, no, no, I, I want you to be in my camp. I, I want to have you be separated, but still part of the world. And uh, sometimes that's a hard balance for us to follow. And it's sometimes God is pulling us and saying, come into my camp. And sometimes the world is saying, come into my camp. I've got better goods. I've got you know, better things to offer. And so we live in this constant tension. And God is nudging us and saying, I'm calling you to be a holy, separate, separated people. And church is the place where we do that. This is where we can 
be who God has called us to be and express it and experience God and be lifted up by God. All this to say, understanding the church or not, agree with the church or not, Jesus died for the church. I mean, whether you comprehend it or not, that's God's statement. He died for the church. Reading Ephesians 5.25 again. To make her holy and clean, the church, washed by the cleansing of God's word. I mean, Jesus foreknew when he designed the church that we were going to be a work in process, that we were going to constantly need to be washed and we're not going to be perfect uh, for the very simple reason that you and I, we both started at the same place. We started as sinners, whether we like it or agree with it or not. And God wants to clean us up. He wants to make us into holy saints. And we're sort of on this uh, path of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And in that path, He's calling some of us to be leaders. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that I'm not perfect and leaders in our church are not perfect. And that's all very well. You say, okay, it's great. I see you're not perfect. But, you know, when that bad blemish is the part that you interact with, it's like, ah, that hurts. And so we say, yeah, I, I, I acknowledge. I'm not trying to hurt people. But you and I are on a path to become more like Christ and we do it together and we do it as a church. And for the most part, church is going to be a huge, huge, huge blessing in your life. I mean, you know, once you've connected and you've had friendships and you've had experiences with God, there's nothing else like church. I mean, people stick together. They help each other. They love each other. They're in thick and thin. It's an awesome thing, uh, like no other. You know, it's interesting in society as things are changing, uh, many organizations are kind of falling by the wayside. I mean, you know, all sorts of clubs and uh, things that people used to belong to, uh, they, they kind of like, people just don't want to do that anymore. Uh, we're in a new society uh, today where people are really reluctant to join or to be part of. And, uh, you know, so today as I do 101, and for those of you coming, I'm talking about like, what does it mean to be part of church and, and what is my expectation of you and what is your expectation from me and, and, and what does that look like? What does it mean to be a member, or what I prefer to say, a disciple here, uh, I'm, I'm understanding, I understand that there's a reluctance uh, to want to be part of something. We, as Americans, are individualistic. We don't want to be told by anybody uh, what to do. But here's the funny thing. The one organization or institution in America which is growing in popularity is the military. The, the military has more... Um, recognition or desire by people to want to be part of uh, at this point than at any other point in time. It's like mystifying. Uh, and yet people are saying, I don't want to be part of the Elks, I don't want to be part of the Lions Club, I don't want to be part of the Bowling Club, I don't want to be part of any clubs. But I do want to be part of certain organizations, the, the military being one. And church, I believe, is going to be another one. Uh, for many, people are saying, I'll give up many other things, but I'm not giving up... Uh, living and connecting and being and being part of of church it is a messy business and god is uh cleaning us all up at the same time but let's talk about realizing the real purpose of church the purpose of church uh, and again i'm reading from the book of ephesians i'm preaching through the book of ephesians and um 
the purpose of church, there's two purposes which I want to point out on. And the first one is so like other. It's like you just wouldn't like wake up and say, yeah, this is a great purpose for church. Excuse me. So let me read this to you. Ephesians uh, 3, 10 and 11. God's purpose in all of this, in context, uh, God is talking about his plan. It's not just for Jews. It's for Jews and Gentiles. So God says, it says this in Ephesians 3.10. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's like it just begs a second reading. Like, what? Okay, so, if, you know, quick check, check. So what's the purpose of the church? Well, it's this. It's like, what? Let me, let me read that again. What exactly is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to display his wisdom in rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And for most of us, we say, I couldn't care less about that. I don't even know if I believe in that. I don't even know. It's supernatural. I, but from Jesus' standpoint, he's saying, I'll just use my church, and they will be uh, the institution. It's like, what? I mean, it's like hard for us to, to get our head around it. But from God's standpoint, this is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. I'm always, I'm constantly like amused at how fickle we are as people when it comes to um, the supernatural or superstition or things of the Holy Spirit. You know, a week ago uh, at this time, we were uh, uh, eagerly looking forward to the, the Super Bowl game. I mean, can't believe it was only a week ago because it was awesome. But you know what I found particularly funny, because I just couldn't get enough of it. After all, I want to watch every replay, I want to watch the game again, I want to get everybody's commentator on It's like, this was just like the weirdest, most wonderful, awesome game if you're a Patriots fan. I mean, it's like, this, is, this was just great, I just loved it. Uh, but I was, I was killing myself laughing uh, at a, what was supposed to be a serious interview. So they had Steve Burton on whatever channel news he's on, he's down at Foxborough Stadium and he's interviewing the crowd and people are just like sharing all these stories, and then he gets this one lady, and she said, in all seriousness, now she's dead, you know, pan-faced, like, I've got to tell you why the Patriots won. And he said, so Steve, like, yeah, and he's thinking of another angle of, you know, Bill Belichick's coaching. No, when I put my uh, chocolate chip cookies in the deep fryer, that was the turning point. That's what made the game. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I just have to crack up laughing, because I'm thinking, yeah, we live in this day and age where everybody's like so supposedly scientific, and yet full of superstition. I mean, Red Sox, it's even worse. I mean, it's like you rub yourself and sit, and the pitcher does something, and they have all these weird things that go on. But in the meantime, like, we're super scientific. Like, yeah, of course it doesn't matter. Meantime, I mean, people's lives revolve around. Like this lady, I'm sure, every like time the Patriots playing, it'll be like putting your cookies in the fryer later. I'm like, really? I mean, so... You know, when we, read, when we read a verse in the Bible like this and said, God is talking about the unseen world, I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, people are so apt to like do the crazy, stupid things. 
why can't we grasp the stuff that is like really important from God's standpoint? Like God says the unseen world is really a big deal. And you know, the spiritual life is really important. And a life in Christ is really a, a big deal. Uh, I think we should get it. I think we really uh, do need to uh, pay attention to this. Now, as a result, some of the things that we do as Christians, some of our weapons or some of the uh, activities that we participate in are quite honestly weird. I mean, they don't make like practical sense, like fasting. Okay, here's a good one. Let's let's like all fast. And people are like, well, I want to do that. I want to eat McDonald's. I want the double McDonald's for half the price and the free coffee. I mean, the 99 cent coffee. That's, a, that's what I want. That'll be good. I don't want to fast. And so the Bible's saying, no, but we should regularly be fasting. Like, Oh, what good is fasting going to do? For crying out loud, if I want to lose weight, I'll do something else. I'm not going to fast. And God is saying, no, wait, wait, wait. It's not about losing weight. Uh, it, there's something which happens in fasting. And you're like, what kind of a weird tool thing is this? Like prayer as well, like prayer and fasting. Like how does this work? What's the mechanic? Give me the science behind it. And let me just pause you and say, hey, heads up. I, I do want us as a church to do a fast. Uh, Ash Wednesday is the first Wednesday in March, and uh, I want to propose that as a church we do a thing called the Daniel Fast. Uh, now again, I'm not like telling you you have to. If you've been in this church, you, you know that's not my style, but I am encouraging you and would like you to think about and pray about whether you'd like to join me and the rest of the church, those are going to do it, in a Daniel Fast. Okay, so straight away when I mentioned this to my staff, I had a litany of like questions. Okay, so what does that mean? Like, are we going to do this? We're going to get water. We're going to sleep at night. Are we going to? And I'm like, okay, Daniel fast. Daniel, Daniel, ten three. Well, what does that mean? Okay, like explain it. I need to buy booklets. I need a video series. I go, no, Daniel, Daniel fast. Let me let me read it to you. It says this: All that time I had eaten no rich food. Okay, so you decide. I'm not going to tell you. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat, or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Okay, now whatever that means to you, you do it, right? Okay, if, if withstanding from lotions is a big deal, you just like give it up. And if you've got chemical like sensitivity issues, you say at last, you know, finally. But that's the fast we're going to do. Okay, 21 days. Now, Rob, does that mean I can't drink beer? Look, just read Daniel 10.3. I'm not going to tell you what it says. It's straightforward. No rich food, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you get it. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. But if you want to join us, that's what I'd like to do. All that is say this. Something awesome happens when we do spiritual exercises, when we do things the way God has planned it, Something happens. I mean, it happens in the spiritual realm. It happens in the natural realm. Things change. God does things in our church life, in our own individual lives. And you know, the funny thing is this, and this is not the motivating factor. The funny thing is that scientifically, good things happen to our physical body when we fast. Like, you know, like Jesus is not like a fool, like when he tells us to do things, they're normally good for us. <laughs> Often they are. Uh, anyway, all that to say, we don't fast because we want to lose weight or because there's some physiologically good benefit to do it, but 
it is interesting that there is a side benefit that it's really good for us to do this physically. All right, the second purpose of the church. If the first purpose, the real purpose, is uh, God wants to display his wisdom in rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places, the second point is this. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 27 all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is part of it. You know, so here's the messy part. God is saying, okay, I died for the church and you're part of it. You, this is my body. You, we, you're going to be my hands and my feet and my eyes and my and spokesperson for who I am. Uh, that falls on you. Uh, and you're not perfect people, but you have to represent Jesus and you have to represent church. And God is saying... It only becomes complete when you guys participate and are part of it. And so that's church. And uh, my job as a church leader is to try and equip you, teach you the Word of God, tell you how God thinks you should live, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, uh, and to encourage you to do that, and to see if you'd be blessed as you follow Jesus in that. But moreover, it's to equip you and to develop you and to help you to become a part of church and become leaders in the church or leaders in your community or leaders in your household uh, and to equip you in spiritual things. Uh, another very misunderstood, and I have to really nuance my words carefully and closely here, and I know as hard as I'm going to try and be clear, I'm going to be misunderstood. Another challenge that I have as a church leader is to try and uh, empower and equip the church without diluting the church. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, there are many great para-church organizations. And uh, when left to run their own course, the bottom line is they end up doing great, these para-church organizations, and the church suffers as a result. Because the para-church organizations often become more like parasites. I mean, they suck the blood out of the church. They take the church's money, they take the church's leadership, and they just... So what I am saying this, though, in our church, we've got some terrific leaders which have really, like, understood this. I've got Dana Barbaria. Just last week she was doing the social justice uh, women, you know, that have been caught up in, you know, in a tough lifestyle. Dana understands how to walk this line. Dana's done stuff in the past where he said, okay, look, I'm interested in this, but I want to do it through the church. Or Sue Johnson, another person, really understands this. She said, look, I'm focused on prison ministry. I'm passionate about this, but I want to do it through the church and with the church. And, it, and she's walked that line. But there's so many other organizations. Believe me, I come across them all the time. And they say, look, we're only interested in evangelism. That's all we want to do. We're going to do evangelism and uh, just like send us your people, send us your money, and we'll just do an awesome job of that. Or uh, all we want to do is worship. We're going to do rock concerts or Christian worship, like just send us all your people, send us your money, we're going to just you're going to do that. Or all we're going to do is take care of the poor and just like send us your leaders, send us your money, and we'll just take care of the poor. You know, like the church, you guys, you know, really are lame at doing that, and we'll just do an awesome job of that. And so you get so many of these parachurch organizations, whether it be youth or evangelism or whatever it is, and I'm telling you as a church leader, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, okay, how do we empower the church 
How do we do these very things which are mandates for the church? Uh, and how do we give leadership and support to that without diluting the church? And it can be done, and it, it should be done. And I think, as I said, Dana and, and Sue Johnson would be good examples of how they've done that. They haven't uh, diluted the church. But I live in that tension. I, you know, I get letters and phone calls and uh, on a regular basis, like basically, you know, give me your money let, and give me your leadership, and we're doing this awesome thing um, yeah, quite amazing. I mean, I remember having somebody right in our church. I mean, I led him to the Lord, and he was doing well in the church. He never gave me a dime of his money. And then he joins, like, some world whatever organization, uh, Christian organization. Next minute, he's like, okay, I, I need, like, a whole bunch of cash, and I'm no longer coming to church because, man, this world whatever thing is really important, and I'm going here, I'm traveling there, and I want to take people and, and like, help me out and support me. And I'm like, what? There's a disconnect. What happened to church? Church just became like, no. And I, anyway, I, as I said, I know I'll get misunderstood, but at the risk of that, uh, I just say that. Uh, the other thing I just want to say about church, church is not good at running countries. <laughs> you, you might just like go back in church history and say we could learn anything from church. Church is not good at running countries. Actually, church is not good at running companies, but church is really great at influencing leadership and saying, hey, listen, I don't, you know, churches should not be running big organizations and institutions and hospitals and universities that don't do a good job of that. They're much better people to do that. Church is good at influencing people to be faithful followers of Christ with high character, and that's church's best role. Uh, and, you know, when church got out of the running country business, they did, they did an awesome good thing. I mean, it was a good move for the church and good move... For countries when they got out of that sort of uh, leadership. But churches are really good at influencing people's character and leadership and, <clears throat> excuse me, and holding people to a high standard of living. So uh, let me just uh, finish this way. How does this apply to you? Um, all I would say is this. Firstly, don't bet against the church. Uh, don't bet against the church. If you think the church is going to fold up and fail, <clears throat> you're basically betting against God. Don't give up on the church, but do find the right church. Do find the right way of connecting to the church. Do find how to be the right fit for the church. Uh, <clears throat> let me say this. Everybody gets to play in the church. In the vineyard, we like everybody to get to play. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or saying it differently, I'd like every member to become a minister, and that's part of my job, is to how to help you become a minister of the gospel. It doesn't matter what position you have, you don't have to be paid, but you want to go from member to minister, everybody gets to play. Uh, that is part of church life, is trying to be built up in Christ and so that you can be effective. And it's best done uh, through on-the-job training. And I do run the challenge of figuring out like, what is good enough? Because that's really what I'm trying to get. Like, if I can just get you good enough so that you can represent Christ and do it, that's what I want. I'm not trying to make you perfect. You don't have to be a saint. You, don't have to, you just have to be good enough. But good enough requires some standards. And uh, for some people, that bar is up here. And for others, it's like, yeah, it's way down here. Uh, so you are trying to figure out 
your role is trying to figure out what can I do, how do I get involved, am I good enough, uh, where do I get deployed. Now, in that, uh, a good prayer should be something like this. Or let me say it this way. Uh, you shouldn't necessarily say, God, you know, I'm really awesome at being a drummer or accountant or, you know, whatever, evangelist. And I'm, God, just like deploy me in that because I'm really good at that. A much better prayer would be this. God, I'll do anything, anything, anything for you. That's a good prayer. Start with that prayer. God, I'll do anything, anything, anything. And God, I'll go anywhere. Send me anywhere. I'll do anything and I'll go anywhere. That's a good prayer. Now, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, so when you start off with like, God, I'll do anything. Now, what do you want me to do? You get it. But when you start off with like, I'm really good at this, God. Now, just deploy me, right? Now, that's not a good prayer. That's not a good way of finding your niche in the church or in society. The good way is God use me anywhere, anyhow. Let me close by reading you this. Uh, passage out of Ephesians, and it's sort of a prayer, so you can close your eyes. I'll pray this over you. Uh, I'll tell you up front it's a blessing and not a curse, so you can have an open posture towards this. Lord Jesus, as I just close the service uh, now before we go into worship, Lord, I just pray uh, your blessing with Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. And that Paul, the Apostle Paul says this, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty work at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all genera generations forever. Amen. Amen. What a powerful, powerful prayer and statement by Apostle Paul. Why don't you stand, come worship team, let's uh, worship. Thank you.